Hey, it's Michael, and welcome back to another episode of Seeking Significance, but also welcome to one of the first podcasts on the new Harbor Covenant podcast platform. Uh, we won't do this very often, but we're going to put this in both places uh, because the topic that we're going to talk about is so important. Uh, it, it is important about uh, how we find significance in our lives, but it also addresses some of the things that we think are super important about being a part of Harbor Covenant, and that is uh, being involved in small groups. Uh, Angela Rhinus has uh, been here a couple of times, and she does small groups for our church and does a great job at that. And so we're going to talk about that with her. Uh, but the the question that I want to jump in with, though, Angela, is convince me why, if I'm skeptical, I should become a part of a new small group that we're forming post-Easter. Because if I've never been in a small group before, and I bet there's a lot of people that haven't been in small groups. I mean, maybe they've been in, in, uh, in work groups at, at work, or they've done a project together with other people at school. But just sitting around a table with some potential strangers, um, maybe talking about stuff that I don't want to talk about about myself, or listening to people that might not have anything in common with, um, you know, and having it be the slowest hour in my entire life. Um, why, why would I want to do that? And please tell me there's an upside because I just didn't paint a very good picture. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, I'm a loud laugher, but, um, (laughs) so you're getting me going laughing, but I, I, here's what I have to say. I think that there's lots of places to find community in our world. So they're in our workplace and our neighborhoods. And those are fantastic. Those are great places to have community. But I do think that Christian community, that the body of Christ, that the work of the Holy Spirit in us makes a difference, that we have different opportunities when we gather together um, to talk about our shared faith, to maybe go places that we couldn't as easily go um, in our neighborhood or in our workplaces um, than when we gather together. And sometimes you're right. Sometimes those do feel a little awkward and they take time to um, to build that that level of relationship. But I think my experience has been over and over again that it's worth it, that it's it's worth maybe going to that awkward place or going to the place where you don't know anybody. And sometimes you don't have a lot in common, like you maybe would in a neighborhood or in a work. But what you do have in common is a shared faith in Jesus. Okay, so you've, you've got a couple of good points going on there. One is that... Um, I probably have gotten together with some people, you know, maybe just people in my family or people, you know, we've expanded our bubbles a little bit as things have loosened up. I'm, uh, very few of us have really just been absolutely alone for uh, the year, but probably a lot of us have just had those neighborhood or family or work connections. We haven't really done anything that is a spiritual connection with other people. So I get that. It's a, it's a horse of a different color. Uh, but in most of the other small groups that I might be a part of, you know, small groupings, you know, with the exception of families, you're just stuck with them at Thanksgiving every year. Um, what this small group is different because I'm not necessarily choosing it myself. I mean, I'm choosing to be involved. I'm not necessarily choosing the people that are going to be in it. And if I'm not a raging extrovert, if I'm kind of an introvert, the whole thing just makes me nervous. So so walk me through how you would put together a small group and what do I do if I it doesn't click for me? Yeah, well, so Blake and I were just talking about this, that that 
there's a time and a place for groups maybe that are where the people are really different, but there's also a lot of value for having putting together groups based on common demographics in terms of like age or life stage or things like that. Um, So we definitely keep that in mind when we put groups together and what that specific person wants in terms of a group. I think um, the other thing that we're doing this spring that I think is a little bit different than what we've done in the past is we're launching some connect groups, which are four weeks long. So each group will meet four times. And I think it's just sort of like an appetizer for a small group. It's a taste. It's four weeks is enough to kind of get to know some people and build some connections. Um, But it's not really a long-term commitment. So you can try it out. Um, Maybe though, during those four weeks, you have an amazing connection and you want to keep hanging out. Um, Maybe it was just for that time period and you're ready to try something new in the fall. Okay, so that sounds really manageable. There's a start time, there's an end time. It's going to be four weeks total. And so, you know, I'm done with with kind of playing the devil's advocate with that because I can see that even if I was a little bit leery, I I could do four weeks and how bad can it really be? Um, But what do you think is the upside? I mean, if, if small groups is relatively new to me or if I'm not in a small group currently, why, how would I benefit from signing up with one of these connect groups? Well, I think that the, the benefit of being in a connect group or really of any small group that's related to, to church or the Christian life is it's an opportunity to get to know other people in a more meaningful way. Like I said, that maybe you wouldn't in other venues. Um, it's also an opportunity to get supported. Uh, maybe you're, you're asked for prayer or maybe when you have a baby or when you get sick, they can support you and bring a meal in a way that the staff might not even be aware of or have access to. I think the other thing that's really incredible about being part of a small group is you just live life together over time, that you get to know each other. You kind of know each other's quirks and gifts that you have to offer. Um, you can support each other. Your your kids grow up together. You know, you yeah, you're just in each other's lives. Um, and then the other thing that happens over time is you learn to serve and you, if you think about the early church and one of the marks of the early church in their community is that they served their world and their community together. They were able to do a lot more together than they could have done individually. And I think that's one of the marks of a, a healthy small group, especially over time, is they learn how to how to bless their community and their neighborhoods together. And I think that really is a distinctive of how we do small groups at Harbor Covenant because I've been in small groups for decades. You know, and every small group I've ever been in has, you know, a couple of commonalities. I mean, there's generally some some time to get to know people. There's generally some sort of biblical basis, you know, whether it's a devotion or a full-on Bible study or something like that. Generally an opportunity to pray, that type of thing. But most small groups that I've been at before Harbor Covenant really didn't have a service element. Um, And I think that's really distinctive. Why do you think that's important for us? Well, I think the couple reasons, I think that you actually build relationship with people in a deeper kind of different way when you serve with them. I mean, if you serve with somebody in any capacity, like I used to, you know, teach, teach the jar with the kids at North campus. And I got to know the other volunteers in a way that was really different um, than I would have if I was just hanging out with them in a small group. So you, you, you kind of build life in a different way. I think you, for the parts of you that maybe you don't have in common that are that are different, it's unifying when you have a common purpose together. And I also think it's just really healthy and good for us to do something outside of ourselves. That it just reminds us that God is bigger and that the world is bigger than the little bubble that we live in. And we have been pretty much living in a bubble for the last year. So it's good to 
it's good to break out of that and be reminded that there's things outside of ourselves that God is doing in the world. I think that what I'd add to, to that, because I agree with all of it, is um, that that service opens participation up to people who might have other skills or other gifts or even different levels of comfortability. You know, some people aren't as comfortable in a Bible study or praying or even sharing sometimes. I mean, sometimes that takes a while. Um, and But they might be comfortable um, serving. And it's just another entry point. I remember one time, uh, I was actually at a, um, a CMJ Sunday, Compassion, Mercy, and Justice Sunday, and I was with a small group that was serving and worked most of the morning with a guy who was relatively new, new to the church. And so we worked together. And it wasn't until much later that I found that he really had no faith whatsoever, you know, but serving was something that he could do. And so we ended up kind of bonding over that serving thing and developing a relationship that has become, you know, very influenced by spiritual things since then. But it was, it was the serving aspect that was really attractive to him at that time. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, everybody can serve in some way, right? In some way we can all serve, but there's other things that we can't all do together. So how do you think a small group uh, program or participating in small groups can transform a church? Oh, how that's, that's a great question. I think that when, when we are all in community together in our, in our different groups, I think that it enriches the worship experience on Sunday or online whenever, you know, when we come together to worship, it enriches our experience because we know each other and we're, there's just the sense that we are living life together and that we're doing, we're worshiping God together um, as a whole. So I think that enriches our experience. I also think that as we grow to know each other and serve our community, it's really the kind of the best way that we can reach our community, that we can then invite people into our lives and into our friends' lives that we've come to know at the church. And it's a much easier on-ramp than, hey, come to the sanctuary on Sunday morning and worship with us. That can be pretty intimidating. But inviting somebody over to your house for a barbecue with your small group or inviting them to serve with you at the furniture bank, that's a much easier on-ramp for a lot of people than a Sunday worship experience. And you know what I love about uh, small group participation and Sunday worship is it gives you somebody that you know. Because uh, I, I grew up in, in large churches and it was not, uh, I mean, generally on a Sunday morning, I could walk in and I would look around and be like, I, uh, there's, I have no expectation of knowing anyone here. And then you go, oh, but there's that person I'm in a small group with, or your small group is like, oh, let's meet together. And I see that even at our church, you know, people walk in and they see small group members and like, oh, I've got a place to sit or they're going to go do this thing. Oh yeah, my small group is going. And it kind of gives you that, you know, that, that posse, you know, of people that you know that you can hang out with and you can be with and just kind of, I think adds that level of comfortability for people. Yeah. Well, and what comes to my mind is that within reason, we like to be missed, right? So if we don't, if we don't show up somewhere <laughs> that we're normally at, if it's nice to know that people wonder where we were or, oh, so-and-so's on vacation or to kind of have that relationship where you keep tabs on people and know what's going on in their life. And I think it, it very much enriches our broader experience. Well, and I know that that's one of the things that I really appreciate about small groups is how well people can keep track of each other. 
because uh, I had a really bad experience pretty early on. Because, uh, you know, I, I try to talk to people. I try to know people. I try to keep track of people. But I just I just can't of everybody. And this was at, at an earlier church. And I realized that I hadn't talked to Muriel in a while. And I thought, I just I wonder what's going on with Muriel. So I, it was a Tuesday. I thought, I'm just going to give Muriel a call and ask how she is. So Muriel picks up the phone. And I'm like, hey, Muriel, it's Michael. She's like, hi, Michael, how are you? And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. I just want to know how you are. I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. And Muriel goes, I stood and talked to you for 10 minutes on Sunday. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, that was, that was transformational for me, Muriel. Sorry about that. So ever since then, I've just been really gun shy about going, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. But, but small groups know, you know, it's easier if you've got 12 people. You, you know when Matt and Angela, you know, haven't been around for a while. Well, and exactly. And when, you, when, you're, the, when you're the lead pastor, you, you can't. You just realistically can't have that level of relationship with everything, everybody, nor is it like we can't expect you to have that relationship with everybody. But I think when you when you choose to be part of a small group um, of some sort of community that's shrunk down, that's smaller at church, even a serving team, you you're known. And I think that that's truthfully more valuable in a lot of ways than the senior pastor having a little bit of relationship with everybody. It's better to be deeply known by a few people. Absolutely. I think there's a whole lot more chance of spiritual transformation personally if you're known by several people, because those are going to be the people that are going to be able to support you uh, and encourage you and even challenge you sometimes in your spiritual walk. Um, have there been, I mean, can you think of some examples of small groups that you know of where people have really helped one another grow? Oh, sure. I mean, I think that, I think that there's lots of examples of that. I'm trying to, to nail it down in my head of, of one of them. I think as you get to know people, you can encourage them um, and challenge them in deeper levels. Um, I think a lot of that happens as we study scripture together, that the Holy Spirit uses the scripture um, to challenge us or to encourage us. And then there's sort of an interplay between the discussion and the scripture um, in that context. I think the other thing that is oftentimes challenging in a good way is just watching other people live their lives for Christ. That as you hear stories of what so-and-so is doing, um, it encourages you, oh, like I could think that way. I could, I could branch out of my, my life a little bit more. I mean, even as I, even as I am part of the Tuesdays Together group um, here with Harbor Covenant, I see that happening of some of the women in the group um, just sharing things that God has led them to do. Um, and it encourages the other women to take risks and to trust God um, in areas that they need to do that with. Yeah, I, I think that as I look at the scriptures, there's just so many, you know, thinking about how we can be the most significant in our lives um, for the kingdom of God. I think the scriptures are filled with examples of how we're better when we're in relationship uh, with other people, you know, beginning from the creation account that wasn't good to be alone to the, the care that you see being exhibited in uh, the book of Acts. Um, you know, and the, the metaphor that scripture uses about us being the body of Christ or the family of God or all those types of things. There's, which I think sometimes can be a hard sell uh, as Americans because we're so trained to be individuals. You know, we want to think for ourselves. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. We want to make up our own opinions about things. Um, but scripture, I just think, keeps telling us that we 
we kind of have to submit to one another, you know, and that that sounds weird. But I think the the biggest growth times I arguably I've had in my lives in my life has been in relationship with other people when they've either encouraged me to be my best self um, and I needed that or helped me see other ways to do things or held up a mirror and went, really, that that's who you want to be right now? You know, and if if. If your ego can stand, you know, correction or being wrong sometimes, I think that's where the growth comes is when you're surrounded by people who love you and care for you and are going to be your cheerleaders in some um, parts of your life, but will also come alongside you in love and concern and go, I don't think you're making a good choice there. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that comes to my mind as you're talking, Michael, is that we are just in an increasingly polarized time where... We just kind of like to surround ourselves with people that think like us. Um, And I'm definitely guilty of that. And I actually think that one of the best antidotes to that reality that we're living in is a healthy small group where you're around people that are similar to you in some ways, right? Um, But also are different than you. And I think think you can can grow a lot – in terms of just your understanding of who God is and what different perspectives that different people have in the world by just living life with people that maybe are similar, but a little bit different. It helps to kind of pull yourself out of that kind of echo chamber that we are all tempted to put ourselves in, in this day and age, in terms of the media we consume and social media and our neighborhoods, um, just purely by putting yourself around people that are also in the body of Christ, but are maybe slightly different Um, I think it actually breeds unity if we're willing to be humble and really listen and ask good questions. And and if it doesn't breed unity, and I agree that it does, at the very least, it helps us understand that there can be really thoughtful people who are sincere Jesus followers who look at things differently. Absolutely. (laughs) And I I, I think that's the broad definition of unity. I don't think we all have to believe everything in common but there's a sense of respect and appreciation for other people, even if they have some different views than we do. Yeah, and I've, I've talked about this, but I, I continue to be amazed by it. Uh, the guys group that I'm in, uh, that is just so, I mean, the people are just across the political spectrum. You know, we have very, very progressive people and extremely conservative people, and they all love each other. And the conversations do get a little bit heated sometimes, but they always end with, you know, either asking for forgiveness to somebody, you know, across the line or extending the forgiveness. There's just always grace at the end and everybody parts as friends and brothers in Christ. And I think there hasn't been a time that I haven't walked away going, I think I learned something there, you know, from somebody who is different than I am. Absolutely, because I think that's the the mark of a healthy group is when you can extend grace to one another and and learn from each other, to, even though there's differences. And there's always going to be differences in any group that we're part of. Yeah, yeah. Um. So you you've been involved with small groups for a long time because you uh, starting with uh, InterVarsity uh, when you were a campus leader. Um. So you've worked with. Uh, how do you how do you find people in different life stages? Um. 
react to small groups because there's definitely a, uh, a certain need on a university campus and that probably had more of an outreach and evangelical edge to it to a group of women that you meet with who are, I don't think any of them would mind me saying, or, you know, are, are the more senior end of our spectrum. And then, you know, people that got kids. And I mean, what do you think small groups have to offer to people in those various life stages? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think that they all have the same thing to offer in some ways, which is living life together, um, being on mission together. I think that cuts across um, all different ages. But I think that as you look at different demographics of people, specifically in terms of life stage, that each each life stage is just asking slightly different questions, in some cases, a lot different questions. And I think that in the case in the case where you have same generation together, it's a good chance to really wrestle through those things together and support each other. And whether it's a group of moms that are all just trying to figure out, like, how do I have 20 minutes by myself because <laughs> I have toddlers and babies or, you know, in my experience with some of some of my older friends asking big questions about how do I take care of aging parents? How do I take care of myself when I'm aging? Um, that whatever life stage you're in that there's an opportunity to support each other, I think, in those those common stages. And for our groups that are intergenerational, um, which we do have a few, I see I see them working together. And some of them are able to support people that are younger than them um, and encourage them and pray for them. And then I think as I experience being with women that are older than myself, um, it, it helps me just to have a bigger picture of what life is like. And really, it, honestly, it helps me to be present in my life today, knowing that every life stage has has joys and challenges and just to be aware of that. It's kind of interesting because I found that to be true because I'm somewhere in the middle, although, you know, albeit on the older end of the spectrum now, uh, because the small groups that I'm a part of, one of the small groups is mostly guys that are 15 to 20 years older than I am who um, some of them have been retired for quite some time. Others of them are still working. But, you know, they're in a very different life stage than I am. And then the other side, and this is just more painful for me, you know, is, is hanging out with guys that I literally could be their father, you know, which didn't bother me if they were nine. But, you know, now they're in their 20s and 30s, and that's just disturbing to me. But, um, you know, and, and I learned from a lot from the older guys about grace, about living your life for Jesus in the long haul, and about... Um, how you how you remain relevant in a culture that doesn't always value uh, older people, um, and I learned from the younger guys, um, you know that how much life has changed and how much following Jesus has to be contextualized uh, differently. And one guy was was telling me recently that his wife was asking why he hangs out with me. You know, like why do you hang out with him? But it was it was more it was it was much more positive. Than that. At least I interpreted it that way. <laughs> Defense mechanism. Uh, <laughs> but he he said, I appreciate the fact that you're a couple of steps ahead. You know, you've been through it, and you can give me some ideas of how to get through it. I'm like. That is exactly what I would want to do. And I think that's one of the benefits of small groups is you can all learn from each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're the same age or different ages. We all have things to offer each other, whether it's life experience or different skills or gift set. Okay, so let's do one other thing. So everybody should be in a small group. 
Um, not everybody should do everything, but I, I can say unequivocally, Jesus wants you to be in a small group. He told me so. So if you're not in a small group, I would encourage you to sign up and try the, the connect groups. Um, and, you know, easy, easy way to, to get involved with something. And then when we launch our small group program, uh, get in the fall, uh, just jump in with that. And I, I think you'll be a, a better person and a better Jesus follower for it. And for crying out loud, you also have something to offer the other people. I th- sometimes don't think we think about that. But there's also those people out there, Angela, who um, are a couple of steps ahead. You know, they, they've walked the road a little bit and whether they're 29 or, you know, 79 um, and they could lead a small group, um, but maybe they've never thought about it. Uh, maybe they'd be too intimidated to do it, but they could probably do it. So what would you say to somebody who's like, oh, maybe I should give that a shot? I mean, how are we raising up small group leaders? Or if I think I could, what, what should I do? Well, if you think you could, you should definitely email Angela. <laughs> Angela at harborcove.church. Angela at harborcove.church or Angela Rhinus at gmail.com. And um, I would love to have a conversation with you about it because I think that there's a couple things that are required for being a good small group leader. One is that you love God and that you're growing in a relationship with Jesus in some form or fashion. And the other thing is that you care about people and you want to do it. (laughs) So lots of the things can be trained pretty easily. Um, It's not rocket science. I'll be putting together some, some, just some tips, some basic tips for how to lead a discussion. And um, we roll out options for you to use in terms of um, what to talk about. And it's really pretty simple. It's, it's leading a small group is really about facilitating and caring about people um, in its core that you ask a few questions and you care about people and how can I support you? How can I pray for you? Yeah, it really isn't about having all of the answers. No, in fact, actually that can work against you if you think you have all of the answers because being a small group leader is not being a Bible teacher. It's really, truly caring about people and asking a few questions. Okay, so it's the type of thing that lots of people can do. It doesn't uh, require that you understand the ontological existence of the Trinity or that you can, you know, quote Jeremiah from memory. Um, it's just about loving God and loving people, and we'll give you the format and we'll train you. We don't just, you know, cast you out to the wolves. No, we support you. You know, I'm always available um, for checking in about that. And, and I think, I think my experience with leading a small group is I get a ton out of it. That it grows my faith. It helps me to step out a little bit to trust God that He's going to show up for me. And it's really great when I come to church, I get to see so many people and know how God is working in their life. Um, It takes it beyond the level of just, hey, how are you, um, into something a bit deeper. And it's cool to be part of something like that. Well, there you go. In in our conversation, I think maybe you've heard a lot of the heart and the character of Harbor Covenant. We want to be people that are connected to one another. We want to be people that are growing Um, in our relationship with one another and growing in our relationship to Jesus. We want to be people that help other people. We want to be people that serve our community. And uh, we want to be people that are making a huge difference in uh, for the kingdom of God. So small groups is a great way to do that. And if you're not a part of one, I hope that you'll take advantage of this.